This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Chicago Bears Week 17 postgame show as our Bears fall to the Green Bay Packers by the final score of 35-16. to But hey, we get to say the P word now in the show, playoffs, as the Chicago Bears, thanks to an Arizona Cardinals loss, do find themselves with the seventh seed here in the NFC. They'll be taking on the New Orleans Saints Next week, we'll see about the TV schedule. Maybe things will appear as we go through this show live immediately again after this Bears loss. But let's talk about this game first. I'm Eris Littlewit. Join with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, I don't know. I'm curious to your one-word summary of today's game. Expected. Um, this I had the Bears losing this game, and it... You know, it was a little bit more of a, in a blowout fashion than what I was anticipating. But look, the Packers won and the Bears could not punch their own ticket into the playoffs. They needed help from a Rams team that didn't have their starting quarterback. But that's what it was well expected. You can also look at disappointing and there's a lot of factors and we'll go over them at, throughout the course of this podcast. But I'll go with just my one word um, summary expected. OK, for me, I'm going to lean towards unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate that this is how I had to play out uh, a game that was close point wise for the majority of this game. But Nick, as we were talking about it during our live reaction show, it felt like a lot of cat and mouse where they're kind of just toying with the bears, kind of knowing that the bears won't be able to kind of finish the job. And I think we saw that uh, both offensively and defensively throughout, uh, unfortunately, the end of this game. So unfortunate it's going to be my word, but let's go ahead and just jump in. Do you have any other uh, just uh, initial opening thoughts before we get into our monster moment? 
I think just looking at the, I guess, competitiveness between where the Bears are at and what a playoff Super Bowl caliber team the Packers are, you saw it all demonstrated in this game, Will, and I think the mistakes that maybe the Bears weren't making as much in terms of just with with passes that could have been intercepted. Well, it happened with Adrian Amos. You saw fumbles, and the Bears faced a better competition, and then their offense couldn't account for it like it had done in the past four games, scoring 30 points um, in each of those contests. But that's where it really comes down to. The Bears had success against you know bad teams. There's a playoff Super Bowl you know, caliber team. And we saw the results there. Sure did Nick. We sure did. Uh, again, for me as someone that predicted the bears to win a, in hopes of winning our little competition that we've had on the podcast throughout the season, but also just hoping that the bears, if they want to enter the playoffs to do it on their own terms. And that wasn't the case. They had to get in due to help from uh, another team. So thank you, Los Angeles. Thank you to the Rams for allowing us, Nick, our season to be extended here uh, at least one more week but I want to jump in we need to talk about this show and of course our thoughts heading into the playoffs so to jump into our Miller Lite monster moment Nick I'm going to kick mine off and mine's going to be that miss fourth and one with about 11 minutes to go in the game the Bears were about the 25 yard line they're only down five at the time they're already in a long sustained drive it took about eight minutes off the clock and for the Bears team that earlier in this game despite being in deeper into their uh, opponent territory they did early in the game, settled for field goals. This time they decided that's not going to be enough. We need to attempt this one. And it was a bad uh, pass attempt. I would have ran it there with David Montgomery yet again. And uh, from that point, which, again, the Bears were only down five, and then that field goal, if they would have went for it instead, would have made it a two-point game. But they didn't do that. Gave the ball back to the Packers, which resulted in a Green Bay touchdown, which really put this game uh, far too out of reach for the Bears. So for my Miller Lite monster moment, it's going to be that missed fourth and one. The Bears, if they converted have an opportunity to perhaps take the lead. Instead, it's Green Bay on the following possession, extending the lead that they already had, which, again, going up against Green Bay, anytime it's a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, that's going to be very difficult for any team, let alone the Bears. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. To come back to find a way to win it. So that's why that's probably the most pivotal moment in my mind right off the cuff. But how about you, Nick? What's going to be your monster moment here for the regular season finale? Yeah, I'm looking at just the play-by-play that ESPN has of this game, Will. And I think the Bears had such a a unique and great opportunity to capitalize on that punt that was fumbled by the Packers, right? And then it's the third and three play. And again, you'll maybe forget about this, but it's a David Montgomery run that only goes for a yard. And the Bears settle for the field goal. I think that was huge in this one. Again, not knowing your opponent and kind of going the safe route and just going for the field goal after getting great field goal or or great field position the bears were at their let's see just looking at where it happened chicago 37 so they started at the green bay 20 well and couldn't punch it into the end zone there being in the red zone and i thought that was just a huge moment so it was i guess the i guess it's two plays well the, the muff punt but really the third down play that you only get one yard for dave montgomery 
Cairo Santos goes there, of course, nails his field goal, but you know it's the Green Bay Packers. You know you have to score touchdowns, and the Bears couldn't do it. I mean, that's a gift, and those are those gifts that you need, A, to play complimentary football, but when you're going up against an opponent at the same caliber of the Packers who finished regular season 13-3, and and you have an opportunity to re A, that was already uh, a possession that failed, and they had upon it. B, you get that gift, getting the ball into the red zone to start, and they can't find any way to, to punch it in. So, yeah, that's a that's a big one. A lot of missed opportunities for this Bears offense for me, and we'll talk about uh, some of the numbers behind that here in just a moment. But before I do, of course, our Monster Moments are brought to you over by our sponsors at Miller Light, and here at the Chicago Audible throughout the years, our goal has always been to bring uh, Bears fans together uh, all across the globe, and that's now important, uh, really more important now than really ever. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by with the original white beer, Miller Light, who's always been there as well to bring people together, and they do it through Miller time. Miller Lite is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. They've had a long-term partnership with the Bears. It's been a staple at Soldier Field for decades. And Nick, we have so many great memories toasting touchdowns with Miller Lights with our friends and families at home games. So here's to the Bears and here's to the original white beer. It's Miller time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game Day needs celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Post Game Show. I'm Miros Wildewit. Join with me as my co-host Nicholas Moriano. We are breaking down this Chicago Bears 35 to 16 loss against the Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, the Bears are still having an issue. In this rivalry, as Nick would say, maybe even making it a rivalry here for the better part of the last well, decade plus now. And as we continue our first quarter of the uh, this postgame show, Nick, I think we're both in agreement to where we want this standout set to be. And it's really going to hinge on the Bears' red zone woes. Absolutely, Will. I think when you get in that area against a high-scoring team, the Green Bay Packers, that you know can easily put up 30 a game like we saw today, putting up 35, you need to capitalize on those opportunities. And you know whether it is getting a gift from a muffed punt and putting yourself at the Green Bay 20 to start a drive and failing there or having to do so on multiple fourth-down opportunities to try even punch your way, that's where this game really got out of hand is that when the Packers got in that, you know, that area of the field in the red zone where it matters most, just looking at the stats here, um, they were able to go four for four. And obviously Aaron Rodgers threw four touchdowns. The Bears, on the other hand, with that one for five. And that's that's the score reflects that, 35 to 16, right? So that's going to be the big thing. And the Packers are just a very efficient, good offense. The Bears were an efficient, good offense, you know, the last four weeks. But better competition really – in a condensed field, we sh- we saw some of the mistakes that Trubisky was making down there and trying to force passes there. So that's good. That's ultimately what lost the Bears the game, their efficiency and effectiveness in the red zone. Right, because when they're playing the type of offense that they did today, which didn't have a lot of urgency, they weren't trying to get big chunks early on, really for the vast majority of this game. And they were kind of satisfied and content with playing keep away with Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's take these drives, let's take our time, and let's slowly burn – our way down the field, kill as much clock as possible, which in theory is great. But when you get down there and you take eight minutes off the clock and yet you only come away with three points, 
and you're losing, that's a big one. I know you said one of five, Nick, but we do need to count my amounts for a moment. Again, as an unofficial one, because they did stall out at the 25. We know that's not the red zone, but it's close enough to continue to at least demonstrate this point of the Bears being able to move the ball. And then once the field gets condensed, once things get a little bit more restricted, and honestly, when the pressure is on to actually execute and punch this thing in, they couldn't do it. And uh, I have my own gripes with uh, some of the decisions to go for it on fourth down, uh, like that one for the monster moment. I think that time the field goal makes sense. But earlier in the game when they settled for field goals, it felt, Nick, I don't know about you, but it felt soft. It felt soft and it just felt like, well, it wasn't going to be enough. Like you knew like, okay, Cairo Santos, like you felt good probably about the attempt and it going through the uprights, which is great because Cairo Santos has been able to convert on those. But you knew that, man, the Bears missed an opportunity to get some more points here. And they need they need to get those more points because we know the defense that the Bears are playing right now is not a very good unit. So, yeah, every time I saw Cairo Santos, it was mixed feelings. Like, yes, I know he's going to make the field. I know he's going to make the field goal. But, man, we don't need – we can't settle for field goals. So, yeah, it was soft, and it just wasn't what the Bears needed to have in this game. They needed touchdowns, and they didn't get them. Let's just take this as a moment to officially dive into the second quarter of the show. Let's talk about this Bears offense. Obviously, Nick, with a loss, it's easier to point fingers, do the blame game, and scrutinize some of these decisions. What was your thoughts about the Bears, I guess, this overall game plan on offense? Because I I know that you're frustrated because they had to really work for every single yard, and I'm right there with you. But I do believe that was somewhat, for most of this game, by design. Again, I do believe they weren't really trying to move the ball that fast. They felt comfortable with getting four and three yards on average to really milk the clock. And again, that helps in theory. But would you have liked to see them, in hindsight, be a little bit more aggressive? Um, I think with the Packers, so hit or miss on this answer because you're just going to give the opportunity. Let's say you do maybe go maybe a little bit more up tempo and you don't get those conversions on on third down or whatever, then you didn't take any time off the play clock. And then you're just giving Aaron Rodgers an opportunity. We liked Will, despite maybe it it did the drive right before the half ended in a field goal, but we kind of liked the approach from the bears. They kept it away from Rodgers, So we were okay with that. Obviously you want a touchdown there, but I think I was okay with it because it did keep Rodgers on the sidelines, but it, in hindsight, yeah, you would like to see some more deep shots. Like the one that to Darnell Mooney, you completed it. And there were a couple other ones that obviously Trubisky missed, but you need to get some explosive plays. And the longer these drives got, you're only more susceptible to making those mistakes. And that's why when Green Bay scores in four plays or three plays, whatever it was, um, that's quick, easy touchdowns. You don't have to – there's not a lot of mistakes that can happen when you're only running three plays or four plays and you're getting a touchdown. So, yeah, in hindsight, you like to see it. But I think even in the first quarter, how it ended, I think the Bears had nine rushing attempts, and they, they obviously score on that opening drive, which is great to see. But you just need to be really effective with every offensive possession you get because you know the Packers are going to make the most out of theirs. Yep, uh, we saw that <laughs> perfectly in this game. I guess for me – I'm still satisfied with what they were attempting to do on offense. I mean, heck, when the defense in the third quarter, which we'll talk about the defense later in the show, but they only held the Packers to 25 yards in that third quarter. Pass rush hit home. Things were kind of working. We'll talk about all the near interceptions later on. But 
thanks to the offense kind of killing the clock and making sure Green Bay didn't get the two-for-one special between halftime and the third quarter, defense stepping up down the stretch as well, they did take it from a 21-10 game to a 21-16 and game with a few, you know, multiple scoring drives. So for me, I guess it all just goes back to the unfortunate lack of execution in the red zone and all the points that they left up on, on the field because they did settle for a field goal again. We said three times in a red zone, which if, say, they would have scored a touchdown in each of those, that's four more points per trip, which is a 12-point difference. I know that that's not the end of the final score, but before Green Bay had that final touchdown near the end, it was a 12-point game, which all the points the Bears had an opportunity to score. They just kind of squandered it away. Is there any other just big picture items that you wanted to discuss here? Obviously, uh, Allen Robinson didn't get as involved as we would like. Uh, Cole Komet had himself a pretty good game in terms of numbers, targets, catches, yards, but that crucial fumble really did hurt the Bears as well, and there are some other mistakes uh, along the way, but do you have any other bigger picture items before we start looking at some players? Yeah, mine's... uh... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I guess he's going to focus on like a play design, but the fourth and one that the Bears didn't convert, whether it was a fourth and one or fourth and two, whatever it may have been, the one to Allen Robinson where the Bears, I don't know if they were on the right hash when they did this design play action rollout to the right, but just the play design itself, you obviously we, we've been saying, well, like limit, cut the field in half to limit the decision-making for Mitch Trubisky. If you knew on that play that you were going to go to Allen Robinson the whole way, spread them out a little bit and try not to do the play action because the defense just rolls that way. Allen Robinson was covered from the get-go and it should have been an interception, but just the play itself didn't give the offense, I think the best opportunity to convert it. And the bears ran not something similar, but it was a pass to Darnell Mooney on that chat sweep to convert, but they decided let's try Allen Robinson this time, your best playmaker. And it didn't, but I think you have to, even though Trubisky's not not a great pocket passer, you at least spread them out so the defense can work the entire field as opposed to just this tiny section of the right side and the defender's right there to make the play. So uh, I just wanted to highlight that, but I, I think we we talked about it to move into player specific. Allen Robinson did not wasn't a factor in this game for a majority of it, and that was really really surprising for me just because he is your best playmaker and that's the guy Trubisky feels most comfortable with but whatever the Packers are doing or whether the game plan which doesn't make sense wasn't designed for Robinson to be as involved it just doesn't sit well with me Will it it just doesn't make sense and I get he could be a decoy I get that and open up other people but you need him and I think this offense could have looked differently maybe in the red zone had you targeted him maybe a little more not not how Trubisky did with double coverage but it just didn't make sense to me that Robinson wasn't as involved in this game I think we need to both wait till the film comes out rewatch it to see if Green Bay was doing some uh, items in order to limit Allen Robinson because I do believe that's probably going to be somewhat the case until we see it it's hard to really tell 
Uh, just watching it, it felt like they were trying to take him away. And obviously, whenever the Bears did try to go to him, it really felt forced, which I think is a mm-hmm. good indicator of just how tight things were for A-Rob. And obviously, a defense knows if you can take away 12, you're going to make number 10's job a hell of a lot harder. And that's going to be every defense's goal is to make Mitchell Trubisky go to that second read and just make his job harder. And then when you do that, he tends to uh, make those mistakes. I'm just, I can't get over all the missed opportunities. Like I went through my notes, like what can we talk about? Who do I want to talk about? And again, the unfortunate part was only one drive the Bears had a punt. One drive they punted, one drive they fumbled. Uh, the one late was the interception. But other than that, they were moving the ball. They just couldn't find a way to do anything with it. You're settling for three points with a awesome play between Trubisky and Darnell Mooney for a 53-yarder. You still only settled for a field goal. The next drive, you convert on fourth and one three times. And then the fourth time is the one that gets you. So it's, again, it's a lot of those, it's in your own hands and that you just kind of drop it right in front of you. And the defense did that too. Uh, we'll get to that. I guess for me, Nick, were you, uh, what's your thoughts about the ground game? Because they got 108 yards as a team. David Montgomery, he did get hurt early on, did come back into this game, fought through what you have to assume is probably some decent amount of pain, did get 22 carries today, only 69 yards. I know Green Bay's been pretty good. Uh, in terms of stopping the run. Uh, but I'm just curious, was it a, obviously it wasn't an, enough today, um, but did they stick to it to your liking? Uh, bits and pieces, I think, Will. Like you see the first quarter, I think they did a good job of that, right? And I think I said the nine runs were in that quarter and the, the Bears do end with a touchdown. But it seemed like at, at times like why the Bears had to go for these fourth down opportunities as well. The offensive line wasn't generating that push that we saw maybe the past four weeks in terms of opening up some holes. And even like, I think early on the game, well, didn't we see a couple of, I don't know if it's missteps by Trubisky or whatever the course is for Montgomery, but there was a huge lane. Remember, I think on the very first drive and we're like, man, if David Montgomery has a head of steam, going into this hole that's opened up between, I think, Cole Komet and Jermaine Effetti, if, if that's correct. Like, who knows? That's a big run capable of happening, but the Bears just get the first down there. So it bits and pieces. The Bears were able to do some good things on the ground, but I think this team offensively needs to continue to feed David Montgomery on a more consistent basis because you saw what happened if you had to put it on Trubisky's shoulders and it rely on his arm to kind of throw you back into the game. You don't want that to be the case. Then that's where things can get out of hand. Turnovers can happen, all these bad things. But yeah, I think it was, it had, it had its moments well with the run game, but like you, and I'm pretty sure a lot of bears fans, I would like to have seen it be more effective and efficient, but against the Packers, it, it really, the first mean, look, Dave Montgomery did get his first hundred yard game, but um, it just, it's bits and pieces. Well, I think that's a pretty fair assessment there, Nick. Well, you know, I'm just thinking about this offense, and I'm glad the pass rush for Green Bay wasn't at full force today, or at least the Bears did a good job of protecting Trubisky. Only one sack uh, that they surrendered in this game, and just to prove how pivotal that is, the one time they did get a sack, it killed the entire drive. Uh, it was a, a sack that killed that second drive for the entire game. Luckily for us, that punt, which turned into the turnover, did help the Bears score some points there. Not enough, but some. Um, but just showing that if the pass rush for Green Bay would have been uh, more consistent in this game, if the offensive line would have struggled more, I don't think you're looking at some of these sustained drives like we saw here for Chicago as well. So I wanted to give props to the offensive line for that. But of course, their job was made a little bit easier by the quick pass game that we saw for the vast majority of this game. I think at halftime, Mitch only was averaging 
about four and a half yards per pass in this one, which again, it's a stat that it looks bad, but I think he was playing within the system in which they kind of set up today. I'm curious your thoughts because my mindset, Nick, is for Mitch and the Bears today, it was very much keep away from Aaron Rodgers all the way down to the bitter end. But do you see this as playing keep away or lack of trust in Trubisky? I see some of that on social media, and I'm curious to, or it could be a little bit of both. I'm curious what your thought may be on what we saw from offense in terms of their inability to allow Mitch to push the ball as, you know, really not at all today besides a couple of shots. Yeah, and I think, remember how we were watching the first half of the Jacksonville Jaguars game? We're like, what is this offense? Why are they having Mitch be such a pocket passer and things like that? I think they were testing it out to see where he's at. And then you go into this game and you're not really seeing those deep shots. You're seeing the pocket be moved because, well, there's, I don't know if there's just as much trust in his ability to just be a pure passer. And I think that's what we saw in the offense today. And that's what obviously limits you as an, as an entire offense. And I know there are a lot of other teams that love to run play action, but there are times in a game and multiple times really where your quarterback has to be able to deliver a ball from the pocket to, and again, play the entire field, not just half of it. So I think that's what was happening in the first half of the Jacksonville Jaguars game, because I think a lot of people were confused about the offense, but then he saw it in this one where it did seem at times limited and the passes were not going deep whatsoever, unless it was the Mooney shot or in like, if you want to account for the, the Allen Robinson left sideline, whatever, but it was very simplified. And that's why you saw multiple times where Trubisky could have gotten intercepted, but you know, he didn't get the, the luxury or the, the Packers defenders just didn't get their hand completely on the ball and, and intercepted. So that's what I thought it was. And it's nothing new. That's what Trubisky can't do. And everybody knows it. Everybody does know it. Uh, you are correct there, Nick. Looking at the receivers, we talked about A-Rob a little bit. We've sprinkled in some Cole Komet, although if you want to talk about him more, feel free. And Darnell Mooney uh, ended up leading the team today. 11 catches, 93 yards. Obviously, 53 came in at one, um, but 13 targets. So very consistent uh, in terms of when the Bears went his way. I think that was by design for uh, from Green Bay, wanting us to go elsewhere. And obviously, Mooney is a pretty good second option if you ask me uh what are your thoughts on his game and i think maybe more importantly when you're looking at this playoffs he did leave the game with an injury and if he's not healthy that could be a huge hole for the bears to fill because they're going to miss someone with that ability to gain yards after the catch make something out of nothing and that speed on the field they're going to lose a lot if you can't give it a go next weekend yeah absolutely i think you saw a lot of what Darnell Mooney showed throughout the course of the 2020 NFL season. It's never you, you very rarely will you ever see a defender tackle Darnell Mooney on, on the first contact. He has a way of just making people miss on the play that he did get injured on. Look, he stops the breaks from, I think it was King the corner from tackling him. Then he presses a circle button, does a spin move on the next defender. And then eventually it's, it's Adrian Amos that kind of levels him and he gets injured, but he has such an ability to one, make people miss when he gets the ball and get yards after contact or yards after catch. And then also the motions, you can't, can't forget about that because we talked about the one fourth down conversion with Mooney. They used his speed, his best attribute to kind of separate for whatever, whichever defender was on him because he's in that jet motion. And then he goes off into the flat and he's already got the first down where he catches the ball, and there's separation between him and the nearest defender, and that's exactly how you want to use him. So I, I've liked all year how the Bears have kind of used him. You'd like to see more of those deep shots. You see what happened today. He can come down with it. But if he's gone, 
man, you're, you're really relying on Anthony Miller. Who's just been, you know, missing in action for a while now to really step up, to fill that role. And he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the jets that, that Darnell Mooney has, but it would be a huge loss, another weapon. And obviously we see the bears need as many weapons as they can get to do anything offensively, but it would be a huge loss if he has to miss this next playoff game. Especially if the saints just want to get rid of Allen Robinson yet again and force the bears to go through some other channels in order to move the ball, gain some yards and, especially through the air and Robinson today, two catches, 37 yards on the five targets. And like I said, Nick, it felt like every time besides I think one throw, which felt like, Oh, that's an easy one to a Rob. But every other time it was contested and uh, they were putting some good coverage his way. And I know he's been dealing with a, like a hamstring injury, I believe throughout this week, which he was limited throughout practice. So you have to wonder if he too is a hundred percent, which again, now that we're in the playoffs availability key, uh, and being as healthy as possible to have our best players on the field be able to make some of these plays, I'm a little worried here. If A-Rob is dealing with something and Mooney's out, that's going to really hinder the Bears' chances of having sustained drives like we saw today or putting up points. And again, one touchdown today came on a very first drive, and afterwards they were just shut out completely once they got down into the red zone. Uh, anything else uh, on this Bears offense that you want to talk about? I'm sure there's a lot that we could grasp from this game. I, I think we're processing a lot of information right now from the loss to making the playoffs and trying to figure out where to put our mindset. Yeah, it's it's uh, really mixed emotions right now, Will, because, I mean, this was a bad loss, another one from the Packers, what we've seen for the last decade. But the Bears take it into the playoffs, and the offense needs to – uh, fix a lot of things, I think. I think protection-wise, it was, I guess, decent. And again, like you mentioned, like the Packers, I, I don't know, they just didn't have their their A game or whatever it may be. But offensively, what are what can Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor do that can really be different from what the league has already seen the past four weeks? To where obviously the Packers figured it out. They figured it out quick, um, and they were able to kind of stop it like in that that second half there. But if the Bears come out with the same game plan and they know if you take out Allen Robinson and these rollout play action passes, then, you know, the bears offense kind of stalls because you can only put so much on David Montgomery and the offense can only go so far, but I think that's going to be the problem that they kind of face going into next week. I don't know if this was that same game plan that we've seen though. I can't, I don't remember as much misdirection or motion, the bootlegs, like the play action is working, but they weren't really doing what we saw them do the last few weeks, which was clicking. I thought we've seen bits and pieces, but it wasn't as consistent, which I, I get. You want to throw new things in an opponent. You don't want them to have everything on film, and you want to show them some different looks. But really, Nick, when I'm reflecting as you were talking, I felt like the identity of the offense wasn't what we've actually seen, which I guess is also pretty damning in and of itself because it has been working so well. Yeah, hey, Will, remember, I think it was earlier today, someone from NFL Network, they were saying Matt Nagy was getting a little bit more involved in the game plans, right, in the play calling. And it's been happening for, I guess, according to the NFL Network report, a couple of weeks. I wonder. Um, obviously, this is a big game, and the Bears knew they had to win, and Matt Nagy has a lot of pride. And I don't want to spec. – I'm kind of speculating here, but, like, just hearing that report early on today – and seeing that Matt Nagy's been more involved in play calling, I wonder if there's like at some point where he just, you know, takes over for a drive or something happens there. But 
it's it's worth mentioning because if you're seeing something a little differently than what we've been seeing from Bill Lazor, like when is Matt Nagy taking over? When Bill when is Bill Lazor actually calling plays? How's this actually working out? Because it, we have seen two different offenses in two different games for spurts throughout each game. So it's I think worth noting as the Bears go, you know, next week into their playoff game. Another question to be. Wasn't David Montgomery's 130 total yards a very quiet 130 total yards? Because when I said, yeah, he had 69 yards on the ground, and you're talking, I'm like, but he also picked up 63 as a receiver. And I feel like it was probably the fact that they couldn't score points on these drives and they held the ball for so long, but it felt like a very quiet 130 total yards. Yeah, I think even in the last two drives where the Bears were trying to claw their back mm, the way true. back into this, like those little you know routes over the middle of the field like that's where you saw montgomery pick up quite a few of those so that could be where maybe a good chunk of them came but yeah i agree it's really quiet okay so let's wrap up some offense to talk here but let's kind of project forward i know we're gonna have to do our full weeks of previews and everything of that nature but what's your biggest concern on offense heading into the playoffs I think it's like the the flexibility or versatility of the actual offense. We know that they they're good on play action rollouts and, and things like that. We saw that the last four weeks against some bad defenses, but when and if you have to kind of go away from that game plan because the defense has figured it out or whatever it may be, what is like the Bears' counter move or what's the next thing they can actually do as an offense and with the limitations from Mitchell Trubisky? And I think that's kind of the big question that the coaching staff is still trying to figure out. So that's my biggest concern because if Mitch needs to be a pure pocket passer, you're not going to win. It's that simple. Um, you can put all the weapons around him. It's just the, the mental processing, where the blitz, the pressure is coming from, and then delivering an accurate ball for the playmaker to even make a play. So I think that's my biggest concern because, again, I think the the protection was fine today and – Again, I think that's going to be the biggest thing, how the Bears kind of adjust if they have to. That's a really, that's a very valid concern. I guess for me right now, Darnell Mooney is going to be one until I hear otherwise because the Bears need him out there, as we've already discussed. Uh, On top of that, it would be this control of the offense. Like, is Matt Nagy really trying to take some of that back? And if so, it seems like such a huge, unnecessary mistake. Things are working. They have been working. I understand he wants to be involved, and I don't have a problem with him having a voice, some opinion. I mean, he's the head coach, but if it's in-game, I thought we've had some good things going with him being out of the play calling, him being more the all-encompassing head coach and allowing someone else to dictate the game flow. It, again, feels that way today. We'll see uh, how that all shakes up, but those would be my two right now. Uh, but we have a whole week to find more, Nick. That's That's the good part. Yeah, I think that's a good part. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so before we jump into the third quarter, let's talk about this Bears defense. Nick, do you want to let people know how they can uh, donate to our show so they can get a shout-out on our first playoff preview in a couple seasons? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were wondering if this would even happen if the season were to end today. But if you want to get a shout-out on the next podcast, here's how you can make that happen. You could send us a donation either through Venmo or PayPal, and we'll give you a shout-out on the next podcast. Our handle on Venmo is at the Chicago Audible. PayPal is www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Again, all these donations go to make the show run from the software, the equipment, um, just the recording it all costs money and all these donations help is make it, you know, the, the best bears podcast that you'll listen to anywhere 
wherever you're at around the world. So if you want to give us a donation, that'll definitely help us out. Again, on Venmo, it's at the Chicago Audible. PayPal is www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Good stuff there, Nick. Definitely help us out if you can. Uh, we're in the playoffs, so maybe it's a good time to celebrate with that donation. Love to give you a shout-out here this upcoming week. But let's go ahead, Nick, and let's focus on the Chicago Bears defense that had its case of the, the Aaron Rodgers in the first half. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a perfect passer rating in the first half, and they had uh, three drives that resulted uh, in touchdowns. You're looking at the first one, 12 plays, 80 yards, three plays, 78 yards. Can't wait to talk about Danny Trevathan there. And another one to end that first half for a six-play, 22-yard uh, uh, drive right after the Colt Komet fumble. So a lot of mistakes, offense not helping the defense, and defense not helping itself. Nick, as we kind of open things up here, and of course, on top of all of this, Roquan is uh, hurt with an elbow injury that yep. we don't know the extent of. So there's a lot of issues here. Nick, where should we begin? I think we need to start just schematically with this defense and what Chuck Pagano is really asking of his his uh, defensive players. And look, there were multiple moments in this game where linebackers had to cover wide receivers. And it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, uh, you see the deep touchdown. Who is it? Devan, uh, Scantling down the middle. It's a seam route. It's Danny Trevathan having to cover a wide receiver down the seam. Like this is the guy that gets taken off the field when you go into those nickel dime packages anyway. Why the hell are you going to have him cover a wide receiver? I don't care that it's not Devontae Adams. It's still a wide receiver. And Danny Trevathan's being tasked with, with covering him. Or, or like when you have to switch off these wide receivers to the linebacker, like Josh Woods, like it just, it didn't make any sense there. Will how the defense is run and then expecting good things to happen from it. And the broadcast multiple times, they, they were talking about like, man, they're asking a lot of their linebackers and none of those linebackers are Roquan Smith. So you're, you're expecting these things that are really un, unattainable and unreachable and look at the results. Touchdowns are happening. Yards are being gained. And, you know, the offense for the Packers is still out there. And it just didn't make any sense. No, it didn't. It's, again, I know the unfortunate part is if Roquan can't go and you have Josh Woods, that's going to be a liability, uh, depending on Jalen Johnson and his shoulder, which I'm at the point of slightly worried or more than slightly worried when it comes to his shoulder health right now as uh, Mason West, you know, our good guest and physical therapist told us like this would be a good week to kind of tell us where he's at and I'm not super excited to like the fact that he was uh, another week off uh, for him and then on top of that too like those are already two big holes to fill and now you're asking everyone to have to pick up the slack and I don't know if they have uh, what it takes here in terms of like the linebackers Danny Trevathan we know he's not a, the same speedy linebacker he once was Neither is Woods, and Nick, you and I were talking about it. They're, they're asked to do so much in this defense, the linebackers are, and without Roquan, you can really see how easily this defense could be exposed uh, without that true playmaker. And it's a big re- You can tell why they drafted him when they did and how important he is, um, but it is a big uh, concern of mine. Uh, looking at this game specifically, I, I guess, Nick, uh, my other question would be, remember earlier in the week, Chuck Pagano, he's going to leave uh, you know nothing left in the chamber uh, the Bears got one sack today. Do you think he let out all the stops? Because I don't think so. No, and if that's what he has, then that's a major concern, Will, because, again, we talked about schematically things were not – they didn't put the Bears' defensive position to succeed, 
but then let's go another level here. We were, we were talking about throughout the live stream, Kyle Fuller kind of mm-hmm. switching. He was switching sides and not necessarily shadowing the best receiver, but just flipping sides. And we don't normally see that from Kyle Fuller. He stays, you know, to one side the entire game and that's what you'll do. But you know, the bears had Kendall Vildorf opposite of him in place of Jalen Johnson. So we were wondering if you're going to have Kyle Fuller do this, why is he just going to shadow? Why sh- he should shadow Devontae Adams? And we saw even on you know last touchdown, not even Kyle Fuller can guard Adams. But I think it gives you more of an opportunity to make those plays if he's there. So that didn't make sense again. So whatever Chuck Pagano was talking about, clearly, and regardless of the result of this game, I thought he was going to be gone after the season anyway. But this game really just validated that. Will this is not the same defense? It's been tore up completely tore up by Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And I know he's having an MVP like season, but they figured it out and it's easy for them. And obviously Rodgers had some questionable throws, some interceptions that should have, well, maybe should have is the wrong word, but could have happened and they didn't, but they know how to pick apart this defense. And I think, you know, it's starting to become a trend for other offenses in, in the league right now. It is. I mean, once you get it on film and people can mimic what you're doing, it's real easy for them to pick up on it. And yeah, there are some good stops today, but I think there's only what a couple and they're in the third quarter. But outside of that, everything was wide open for Green Bay Uh, for the majority of this game. You're looking at uh, missed tackles yet again, uh, poor angles. And, And Nick, I think the biggest issue we talked, you hit on it slightly, but I think it's worth hitting one more time is the fact that they did change things up with Kyle Fuller, which again, he has not moved from the defense's left in quite some time. Today's going back and forth, but he's not shadowing the best wide receiver. You're not putting your best DB on their best wide out. You're moving him left or right, depending on uh, Scantling for the most part, it looked like today, which is to me, you know, and Lazard, which again is real bizarre. Honestly, the fact that they would make such a shift, but incorrectly, it felt like. Absolutely. It's like why and there were times where Kyle Fuller would go to the opposite side and Devontae Evans would be in the slot and maybe it was Scantling or Lazard on the outside. It's like, man, just bump him down. I get it that he's not he doesn't play in the slot, but he also doesn't play on that side of the field either. So might as well make the complete shift and put him there. It just didn't make any sense there, Will. And again, that repeatedly happened and throughout this game where you're just scratching your head like what is Pagano thinking and where's the confidence in this unit that he's going to call the right kind of defense because right now it just isn't working or even having the guys prepared. Like when Josh Woods went into the game, he was a step slow and I get it. He's a backup. He hasn't had a lot of experience, but like the one touchdown that they led up to whatever that tight end or fullbacks name was, I completely forget Daphne who had a great uh, hit on special teams as well, but like he did not drop back at all. He, 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 if anything, he moved up from, I, I don't even know if there was a, a ball fake or whatever, but he stood in place, the window open and Rogers flick touchdown. It's like, how are these guys even being coached like that? I think that would be a normal thing. And I think the broadcast said that Jackson went over the woods, Eddie Jackson to talk to him about it. So it's mistakes on all levels from a coaching point. And then also again, how, how should you adjust properly and obviously the Bears didn't do that enough or really at all in this game. 
Yeah, that could have been Daphne. That could have been Tunney. And I don't know who got that one, honestly. All I, all I remember, though, Nick, on that one, it really still pisses me off, is that tight end went across the field, got behind Danny Trevathan, went right. Actually, I think it went in front of Danny, like split the linebackers, went right in front of one, behind the other, and the window was uh, as big. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I couldn't come up with the one on the fly. I was trying to come up with a good one, but I couldn't. <laughs> big as your ego. How about that, Nick? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's a – plenty of space to you know get a touchdown in right um, there we go but yeah. no but and again you talked about it it's fundamentals it's not even josh woods is slow it's he's not doing what he should be coached to do it's what and i don't even coach defense but i help at least for my seventh grade team and the first thing for your linebacker backers is to take a step back if they're in pass to get a read step to see what they're going on and he like you said he went forward there's no reason to mow forward, and he opened up the window underneath, and he tries to get a hand on it, and guess what? If he took two steps back after that snap, he probably would have been able to bat that ball down. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers saw him step up, and he knew what he had uh, as soon as he saw that happen. And with no pass rush, he can wait for it to open up. So that's uh, that's one that really kind of irritates me here a little bit after the game when I kind of reflect on it. That one, and of course, Danny Trevathan, on Valdez Scantling, uh, man-to-man, mano-e-mano, and you just run verts, and you run right by them, and no help. That's the other part, too, Nick. There's no help over the top. And where, like, why are you calling that? And you're getting, like, real fancy with your blitzes, but you're exposing yourself for the deep shot. I guess that may be a bigger indictment of the front four not being able to generate pressure and having to overcompensate, and that's the unfortunate trade-off, but, boy, did they get exposed on that one. Yeah, absolutely, and you saw no help given to Duke Shelley all game, and the Packers knew it. Like, when it was isolated, there were multiple times during the the live stream, Will, where we're saying, hey, uh, it's Adams and there's Duke Shelley. Good luck. Like, there's – it just wasn't a matchup, and the Packers knew it that the Packers could win. And one of the stops that the Bears defense had in that third quarter only happens because Valdez Scantling drops a wide-open touchdown, and Duke Mm -hmm. Shelley – is in coverage, right? And he gets burned. It's not even it's not even a great route or anything. It's just he just goes by him. And you would think like after seeing that, and although the the Bears defense like I guess did their job, right? Um, there wasn't enough a- adjustments made to kind of give Shelley enough help. I think later in the game he did seem bracketed with Eddie Jackson a little bit, whoever he was guarding. But that's a matchup that the Saints are gonna look at. Like, all right. We're, attack, we're targeting that nickel corner. We're going to target Kendall Vildor, who I think had a you know pretty decent game, to be clear. Yes, I thought he was going to be more exposed, uh, mm-hmm. but it didn't end up happening. But Duke Shelley, <laughs> we're going to hear his name a lot, I think, come, come next week because the Packers went there. There was also that pass interference call. Like, he couldn't guard Devontae Adams on a one. No, no DB really can. So that's an issue, Will. And – Really, the Bears can't do much to to mitigate the damage that other teams could do if they target that nickel corner position there. Again, it's unfortunate. It's even with Buster screen, we know what this would look like. It would have been very much the same old thing. I mean, Buster yeah. was destroyed the last time these two teams faced each other. And again, it's a talent issue. Uh, and we, I know that both uh, Duke Shelley, Vildor, they're young. They're middle, late-round draft picks, so you're asking a lot of them, but you also do see people throughout the league who can step up in these in re- these regards. And, I mean, we can look here in Chicago just a few years ago of a Bryce Callahan, undrafted free agent, who's able to step in and be one of the best nickel corners in the league. And I know you can't always find a Bryce Callahan. You're not always going to have one in reserves or, heck, even starting. Um, but it does show, again, the importance of that position 
just like we talked about the linebacker, uh, the nickel corner for this defense is as well. What else should we talk about, Nick? What other concerns do you have? You know, we talked about this, Will, like it was, I think, to Sean Gibson, smack the ball out of what Jamal Williams hand after he had got the first down showing that frustration. Right. And that's all he could do because they couldn't stop the the Packers. And I think even Akeem Hicks was doing a lot of this throughout the game. Like, and maybe he did make some good plays throughout, but it just seemed like on defense, a lot of the, the reaction that you saw was after the Packers had, you know, done something good. And then they're just pissed about it. Like that's, that's the whole rivalry too. It's the, the Packers do what they want. And then Bears fans will react or the Bears will react. And it, it means nothing because the, the goal for the Packers was already accomplished. They got the yards. Maybe they got the touchdown, finished the drive, whatever it may be. And I think like just bigger picture, like defensively, this obviously we can go into bits pieces about like where was Ball Nichols in this game. They didn't really see him. Again, Robert Quinn was talking like this could be my game. He forced one holding penalty on a backup left tackle. Great. But it's like it, – we could get into that nitty gritty, but I, I don't know, just bigger picture. It's like, and we were even touched on this. This hasn't been a rivalry. And I see this in the comments here. Like someone was saying it hasn't been around for the last 25 years. And you're absolutely correct. It really has. It hasn't been a competitive one at least. And that's why this game meant so much because regardless the bears made the playoffs, I think change needs to happen to make it a, you know, a competitive rivalry again. Boy, are we lucky they added an extra seed, huh, Nick? Yeah, absolutely, because I think maybe that just gives George – no, I think, honestly, we'd be unlucky because that might give George McCaskey another way of thinking, like, oh, they made it, because he's the ultimate one that's going to make the big decision and what's going to happen here. But it's um, just disappointing again, Will, see that the Packers did this again. What are your thoughts about the defensive line, though? You don't have to get into all the specifics, but I thought – they had an okay game, but we needed more out of them. Akeem Hicks only had the two tackles. Uh, looking down the line, Jenkins with one, uh, Mario Edwards with one, and that's about it. Again, you mentioned the Bilal Nichols uh, MIA, but really they weren't getting any internal push into the pocket. And even though Green Bay didn't rack up you know, a ton of rushing yards, again, the last time that we played them, we gave up over 180, only 79 yards on the ground today. It doesn't matter when Aaron Rodgers is connecting on a high clip four touchdowns doesn't have to even break a sweat to get those uh what are your thoughts about the defensive line today obviously going up against an offensive line who are down one that are starters you'd hope for a little bit more than what we saw today but I don't think I expected much different if that makes sense no that that makes complete sense because I think even the Packers being down Batiari at their left tackle they still have a really good offensive line that's why what I think in the in the broadcast like rogers sacked 20 sometimes if i'm not mistaken there but teams haven't even been able to get to him all season and with the lack or inconsistent pass rush from the bears we knew this was a tough challenge for them and we didn't see those flashes from like a brett urban or like you said a um even a Bilal nichols like those are guys that that were showing up especially Bilal nichols he was making a bunch of plays in that three game win streak for the bears but nothing happened in the most important game of the bears season to clinch their own um, way to get into the playoffs. So that's what's disappointing to see that. And again, Aaron Rodgers only had the one, he only got sacked once and Cleo Mack had to work for that. He was on the opposite end of the field. I had to go all the way to the other side to eventually get Rodgers. So it's, um, 
it's disappointing too because this was a unit I think coming into the season we had high expectations, but the pressure has been inconsistent all season, you guys. There's no reason to expect out of the blue next week it's going to be there and the Bears are going to be a completely different defense. It's been inconsistent, and that's why we were also talking about Oh, Aaron Rodgers, maybe maybe people are saying Aaron Rodgers got lucky there wasn't those passes were intercepted. Well, the Bears haven't intercepted a bunch of passes this season. Just looking at the stats here, they have 10 interceptions all season, which is it looks like it's midway in, in the league right now in terms of the 10, but com- it's tied with a bunch of teams, but it's more towards the bottom. And they have seven turnovers. Exactly. Your linebacker. You haven't so Eddie Jackson's like near interceptions. Like the man hasn't made he, he's not a he's not the playmaker that he once was i'm gonna say it right now it's it's evident and i don't know if teams are really thrown away from him or whatever but when he has has had chances to catch the football he hasn't made those still look he went the entire season well without interception if we would have said that maybe at the beginning of the season like people would have probably called us crazy but that's that's what the reality is like there's not really that playmaker in the secondary right now and that's scary it is uh, we've talked about it without Jalen Johnson. You don't have that PBU machine because he's been able to hit on those and play aggressive coverage. And now with Vildor, uh, granted, I know he's not, I was going to say not as experienced, but I think they're about equally experienced, uh, not game-wise, but they're both rookies. He plays a little bit more uh, conservative. He's a little bit further back. So he's not in those prime positions, although he did have one today in his hands. Uh, we can talk about that with a few people here throughout this show, and that was actually going to be my next point before you brought up uh, that one. Um, but, yeah, Nick, they don't have anyone right now can who can, for some reason, catch the ball, which is crazy. I think they all need to go hang out with Darnell Mooney and his jugs machine so they can mm-hmm. get some extra practice, or maybe we can start donating them to the players right now because we counted, what, three or four missed near opportunities when it was a one-score game, mind you, and they couldn't have given the Bears' offense – uh, a much needed gift, another one. Oh, the sec- uh, special teams gave him one earlier, but still, uh, the offense needed another gift to have a short field to potentially come up with a touchdown. But instead, you're forcing Green Bay to punt, and then the Bears had to really work their way down the field. So it's just unfortunate, Nick. We don't. It's the difference between that really awesome, fun defense we got to watch a couple of years ago, and then the last year, two seasons, not nearly as impactful, as dynamic. And I know last year we had some injuries that we were dealing with as well. Offense wasn't nearly uh, holding up their end of the bargain, but the defense continues to point south. And I think with all the money spent over there, that's a huge concern, not just for next week at Drew Brees, the Saints, the playoffs, but really when you look at this team's future. Absolutely, and that's what's so concerning. So much money is invested on that side of the ball, and they're not producing anywhere near Close and it was hard to replicate 2018. That shouldn't be the expectation, but they're not even close to resembling half of that. And if you don't have a good defensive team, you have a team on offense that is very inconsistent. <laughs> you have a team that barely gets to the playoffs because it was just made this year for that wild card additional spot. So that's where the Bears are at. And like you said, it is very concerning. Not not for next week, but really the future going forward. Okay, I have another question for you, and it may feel like it's coming out of left field, but I think if you think on it, or even for just a second, it may make sense where I'm coming from. Do you think they really missed Dion Bush today, especially with Roquan going down? Because instead you're putting in more DHC, instead of maybe going that dime look, you lose someone that could be perhaps a little bit better in coverage and having to stick with a Josh Woods out there. 
Yeah, this is the Dion Bush fan club right here, Will. So the the question makes absolute sense, and it it's look, DHC has played really good football for for the Bears, especially when he's come in. But if I had to pick who's a better tackler, I'm gonna go with Dion Bush to be completely honest. And he missed that one tackle on Aaron Jones in the middle of the field. I think the Packers ended up turning that into a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. But Dion Bush was somebody that you saw throughout last season. They would take out Danny Trevathan. Actually, they were taking out Roquan Smith at the time to to be that um, that dime, that additional DB on the field. But yeah, Deion Bush being gone, I think, is a big um, loss for the defense, and especially if Roquan Smith is out and Deion Bush is out. That's why you have to play at Josh Woods out there, who doesn't have that experience. Who's going to take that step forward and then you know allow the tight end to get in back of him, but. Yeah, I completely get the question, and it's a something that's very underrated. But I, I'm not going to say the, the game's going to look differently if De- Deion Bush plays, but maybe it gives you more of an opportunity to be in more of the vicinity where these receivers are at and to cover them just a little bit more effectively. Uh, we can talk more defense. We can go back to offense. But I'm just curious, what was the biggest surprise for you uh, out of this game, for better or for worse? I think, honestly, like when we were seeing – again, linebackers cover wide receivers and like Kyle Fuller switching. Like I I was kind of interested to see like Kyle Fuller switching, but he wasn't switching on the right guy, but just the, the schematics of it was just so surprised defensively because I knew the Packers were going to move the ball on the bears. And we knew they weren't going to get much of a pass rush. I think we both, we all expected that, but how they did it and I think was a little surprising at times. Like why in the world would Dan Trevathan ever cover a wide receiver? Why? And one-on-one coverage. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Why would Kyle Fuller switch to the opposite ends of the field if he's not covering or shadowing Devontae Adams? Why does that make sense? So that was, I think, the most perplexing thing I was thinking defensively as I kept watching Chuck Pagano's unit take the field. I want to go back when we can, and I want to check the personnel on that touchdown with Danny Trevathan because I want to know if it's did the Packers go out there in a five-wide set, like a true five-wide, or with a couple tight ends, and that's just where Danny was supposed to be, or did they move running backs out, tight ends split out wide as well, but they knew that the Bears' defense in that in that formation that they brought out, in that personnel package, whoever you put in on the most inside guy is going to be Danny Trevathan's man, and if they knew who that was – then the Bears just got outplayed there. And I think that's another big problem because there's a few of those opportunities that the Packers had today that just felt like the Bears were just being outcoached, outsmarted. And I don't even know if it's outcoached or if it's literally Aaron Rodgers outschooling Chuck Pagano. And I do believe that's probably more accurate than inaccurate. Yeah, and it just looks uh, so easy to where if, if the Bears are trying to disguise things, it obviously didn't work. Like Aaron Rodgers knew where to go with the ball. Matt LaFleur knew what play to call and they knew how to execute it because they kind of just knew what was coming at them. So yeah, Chuck Pagano has been, you know, we've seen the defense just uh, regress ever since he's been here and it's high expectations were set in 2018, but it's just not the same unit. And they just fundamentally, it just doesn't make sense at times. It sure doesn't. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move into the next quarter of our postgame show. Let's begin uh, with some special teams here because my very first note for this game started on special teams. Cordero Patterson, and he's stepping out, 
getting that ball that's at about the one yard line. And Nick, we had no idea if the Bears are going to be starting this game at Green Bay's 40 or all the way back, well, not at Green Bay's 40, our own 40, or all the way backed up against uh, our, our own one. Uh, that was an interesting way to start the game. And we had a challenge before even a single second was taken off the play clock or the game clock. Yeah, that was a interesting way to start the game. We were just kind of talking about it, like what was Cordell Patterson thinking? And then we were like, okay, uh, we see exactly his mindset. And obviously it worked in the Bears' favor, but that was, man, it was close. And that's how it started on special teams. And then obviously we know about the muff punt from Tavon Austin uh, for the Packers and the Bears not capitalizing with a touchdown there, even though they were on the Green Bay twenty. Um, and Cairo Santos obviously having the record now for 27 consecutive field goals um, in, in this this season for the Bears, which is, again, a nut, just a bright spot. If you're looking for one consistent bright spot in this Bears team, it's been Cairo Santos and now has a record for the Bears. But like we were also saying, field goals were, were not enough. We didn't want it. We didn't really want to see Cairo Santos today. We unfortunately did. Yeah, uh, we did a lot. And again, it's one of those where – it's bittersweet because, A, he broke a franchise record today, and that's awesome, and he deserves a lot of props for that. The unfortunate part was he shouldn't have been used or been asked to be used as much as uh, he needed to here today. And the only other big jot on special teams outside, the again, the Bears only punted once, but they had that big fumble where it was DHC who was able to help uh, make up for some of his mistakes at least early on on defense, although he had a, a few more. Uh, down the stretch but that's it for that nick uh do you want to go ahead and uh call an audible i feel like i have plenty uh, in this game i wish i could have multiple moments back yeah i mean well it could be like the the fourth down uh failed conversion to Allen robinson the interception to adrian amos i mean uh, just having Danny Trevathan cover a wide receiver down the middle of it like there's so many there um they can call an audible for but like, if, is there anything outside of three that I mentioned that that you would change differently? Because those are all equally important. Could again, I don't know if it changes the the outcome of this game, but it just they're just plays that didn't make sense. So I would definitely call an audible on either one of those to see what could happen for the Bears and maybe put it in their favor. Yeah, I guess unfortunately, I think it was the same case a week ago. But my monster moment almost doubles here because again, if they don't fail on that fourth down or if they just take the dang three points and make it a two-point game with a half a quarter left to play things could have played out a little differently it's much easier for a defense to play inspired uh, when their offense doesn't go off the field with their tail between their legs after an eight-minute drive that came away with zero points and it is hey we got a field goal we're going to go back out there it's a two-point game go get the stop and we can win it with another field goal if you can give us the ball back uh, so that's probably going to be the biggest one still uh, again we're an hour does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it into this postgame show and still the biggest thing on my mind just like it was uh, immediately after the game as soon as we started this show uh, jumping into our MVB 
Uh, I'm giving it to Santos. Uh, I'm going to, you know, perfect with the field goals today. Has 27 straight now this season, which breaks Robbie Gold's record. Uh, so he is now the single uh, sole possession of that franchise record for consecutive kicks made. And on top of that, he did it all in one season where Robbie had to do it split between two different seasons. Uh, so that's a really awesome mark for Santos. And I think he deserves uh, a lot of credit, a decent amount of praise and uh, he was very consistent, although a lot of those were chip shots today, too, because the Bears were so far into the Packers territory uh, to kind of make those shorter attempts. And again, that's an indictment on the offense for not finishing their job. But how about you, Nick? Who's going to be your MVB here in the regular season finale? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Darnell Mooney for just his performance. And again, there are a lot of catches that he made where it looked like he would gain zero to maybe even negative yards, but his ability to make people miss, to get yards after the catch and just put the Bears in position to, you know, even get those field goals in the first place is um, really a credit to him and just his, I guess, mentality. You talked about the jugs machine earlier. Like any pass that usually goes Darnell Mooney's way is getting caught unless it's, you know, an uncatchable ball. Like we saw the deep, what was it? I think it was an over route going from the right to the left side of the field, and Trubisky throws a bad ball. Mooney can't catch it. Um, but 11 receptions for 93 yards, including that big, you know, the, the deep ball down the middle, the 53-yard reception. Mooney is a big part of this Bears offense, and that's why it's really important next week if the Bears don't have him, how does that change things? And uh, it's just been a real uh, – just an asset to have him because he does do a lot for this offense. He can make a lot of plays just by himself. That's a good one there too, man. Uh, moving on throughout uh, as we kind of close up shop here for this postgame show. Before we get into a two-minute warning, though, I do think we should talk briefly about, I think, the playoffs now. Just we'll, we'll have a whole preview this week, and we don't need to get into super specifics, but do you have a, your biggest concern heading into this playoffs week, whether it be something that the Saints – pose a threat to us or just something on the Bears side. Obviously the Bears lost to the Saints earlier this season, 26 to 23. Uh, that was in Chicago. So now the Bears will be on the road. Although due to COVID and crowds not being what they should be in a normal world, it's not going to be the same deathly environment that we've seen in the past and we'll be on turf, which things make it makes the game play a little bit faster. Yeah, I would say, like, again, I think Alvin Kamara is supposed to be out for that game. But if he It depends, isn't, actually. It actually yeah, depends. Yeah. Because if the Bears play Saturday, he can't play. If the Bears game is on Sunday, he's allowed yeah. to play if he's held, if he doesn't have all the tests come back. So let's say it's on Sunday, and let's say the Bears do have to play, and they don't have Roquan Smith. Remember, that was the whole matchup in the first one, Roquan Smith mm -hmm. versus Alvin Kamara, and Alvin Kamara had that big play in the middle of the field just like a coverage bust. Okay, now imagine Dane Trevathan and Josh Woods having to be the guys that have to guard an Alvin Kamara. Or, you know, those they have a bunch of running backs, so even Murray back there as well. So I am very concerned if this game's on Sunday, the test, you know, uh, Kamara's cleared to play, and the Bears are without Roquan Smith. Come on. Good yeah. luck, Bears defense. That's that's just a tall task for, for any defense, but especially this Bears one without their best linebacker on the field in Roquan Smith. That's going to be a really big concern if it comes out that way, and you better believe if this game does end up playing on Sunday, the Saints will do everything they can to make sure they can get uh, Kamara back for that one as well. When I just remember that game, 
when I'm thinking back on it, we had Nick Foles playing. Uh, he had a couple of touchdown throws, but he did get sacked five times. The Bears did have 96 yards on the ground. What it, I guess excites me, and again, I know every team, they've changed a lot too, the Saints have, since uh, that was like, what, week seven, week eight? I guess I believe hopefully the Bears' offensive growth can get back to where we're used to against this defense because obviously the Bears' offense at this point of the season was atrocious. And the fact they got 23 points was a, a miracle on top. And again, this game went to overtime. So I guess I'm excited about what growth the Bears and offense and how that can maybe correlate into this game. But I think the bigger issue going to what your Roquan one, Nick, is the regression of this Bears defense coupled with some of the injuries we have on this side of the ball. Does that weigh even heavier here in the rematch? And again, we have all week to sit, talk, debate. We'll have plenty of shows for it, but just a few high level thoughts for me. Did you have anything else or do you want to do two minute warning? No, well, let's let's move on to the two-minute warning. It should be an interesting one given how the Bears got into the playoffs in the first place. Sweet. Um, let's see if I can actually get us to the, the two-minute warning screen here because I know you want that awesome countdown because it really puts the pressure on. So let me begin because I feel like I did let you go first last week so that we can really think about it. So for my two-minute warning today, Number one, the Bears are a playoff team. They're to the seventh seed. They got in uh, on the coattails of uh, another team losing. Again, thank you to the, the Rams for giving Nick and I another week, at least, to cover the Chicago Bears here today. Um, as someone that was hopeful, the Bears could pull off an upset here and beat Grand Bay. Obviously, I'm a little disappointed in how this one fared. What encourages me is the fact that it was a one-score game at one point here in the fourth quarter, what discourages me is all the missed opportunities on both sides of the ball that uh, led to the final score being as skewed uh, in the Packers' favor uh, as it was. And on top of that, heading into the playoffs week, Darnell Mooney, his injury, got to keep tabs on that one. Let's see if uh, I, I feel really comfortable with David Montgomery's knee, but who knows? Sometimes after games, the adrenaline goes down. That could be something that lingers with him. And not that he'll be limited, but just something to keep an eye on. And then on top of that, on defense, uh, Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson. So for me, as I'm looking forward, I'm looking at player availability uh, and their uh, ability to be healthy, and this one's going to be uh, large. Uh, I'll let you know how I feel about this offense later on in the week. I'm still very conflicted because on one hand, they couldn't finish the job, and I think that's going to be the biggest one. I'm still perplexed on myself whether or not uh, I'm going to throw Mitch under the bus. I'm not throwing him under the bus here on this show, but – was it the Bears not wanting to take chances? Was it Mitch not wanting to take chances? Or were they really just trying to play some keep away? Or were they playing scared? And that's really what I'm trying to battle with in my own head. Although I believe it was more strategic trying to keep the ball out of the Rodgers' hands. Uh, on top of that, I don't know, Nick, it's weird. Eight and eight, same record as last year. But since we have an extra seed, we get more football. And yet, I don't feel much better about it. It's really odd. It's, yay, we can make it to the playoffs. Anything can happen. But... Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and my two minutes are up, but a sixth seed has never won the Super Bowl, right? Like, that's never happened in the NFL. I'm fairly certain it's only happened, like, once. It could have been the damn Packers, wasn't it? It was the Packers. As soon as <laughs> I said that, Packers. as soon as I said that, I remember that one year. I was like, oh, yeah, we let them in. Six, they ran the table. So the Bears have a chance to do some history. First year of seventh seed. First year, maybe you can make that seventh seed something interesting, but – don't think unless something really switches on this defense, I don't think that's really all too unfortunately possible. So 
as I sit here today, Nick, conflicted. We're in the playoffs, so I could smile about it. But we lost to the Packers, which continues to break my heart. So it's uh, a f- it's never easy being a Bears fan, as we know. And this is the most Bearsy I've felt in quite some time. But let's go over to you. What's going to be your final two-minute warning of the regular season? Yeah, so to kind of start this off, obviously, like all Bears fans, you wanted to see the Bears come out and beat the Packers, and we knew that was a tall task. It wasn't going to happen, and it didn't. And seeing that they are in the playoffs, it's it doesn't feel like it. It really doesn't. If anything, I've already characterized this this team in my mind as a fake playoff team. Like they were a fake five and one team to begin this season, where people were doubting their their realistic ability to compete. And look, people were right. And now they are in a playoff spot that wasn't even supposed to be there. And I'm, you know, I'm happy the season didn't end today, but that's the reality of what this Bears team is. They they don't have a very good defense, and their offense that went up against a Packers defense that in itself isn't the best unit, but it limited them to 16 points and they could not capitalize in the red zone, which has been really a struggle for the bears all season. So as we head into next week, I don't have high expectations. I had the bears losing today's game and you know, it ended up happening that way, but this bears team, it's eight and eight, just like it was a year ago. And they only have the, the fortune of having this extra additional playoff spot to maybe so in some eyes and hopefully not George McCaskey to see this as a, six, a success. And then you could bring back those same people that, you know, led to this eight and eight season back again. And you're in the same damn cycle that you've been in for the last couple of years. So that's, that's what's scary about this situation. And I'm never, I'm not going to root. I wasn't rooting for the Cardinals to win, but maybe if the bears had lost, and the Cardinals had won, maybe the changes would have happened, you know, what do they call it, Black Monday, right, where you fire some people automatically to get the change going. So it's a weird spot to be in, but there's Bears playoff football next week, so get excited? I, I don't know, but it's that's what's the reality of the situation. It sure is, Nick. So you say, you know, a fake playoff team like they were a fake five and one team. They did play seven games this year against teams with a winning record who finished a regular season with a winning record. How many wins out of those seven games did the Bears have? Uh, so they lost one to the Saints, obviously the Packers. Um, blanking the Colts, they lost that one. Not, I, I'm just like, naming teams i have no idea what is it they're one in six against teams that finish the regular season with a winning record and now we go to the playoffs where every team unless you're the nfc east has a, a winning record yes i think that's right man the bears would be looking real good in the nfc east that's i True. mean i guess record wise but yeah that's the reality of the situation will all right well i'm gonna Call that a post-game show because I'm glad, honestly, that we get a first week of January where we get to continue looking forward to a a game this week. Uh, Thanks for everyone who's here watching live. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much as well. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate our show, and review it on Apple Podcasts. That way we can reach more Chicago Bears fans just like you. Again, the Bears do enter the 2020 NFL playoffs with uh, A at the number 7th seed. Uh, We'll be playing the New Orleans Saints as of the time of recording this episode. We don't know if that's Saturday. We don't know if that's Sunday. If it's Saturday, no Alvin Kamara. If it's Sunday, there's a chance he can come back. So keep your eyes 
peeled for that schedule to come out and know some of those implications of when this game does fall. Hopefully with the Bears being the last seed, they want to get that game out done early on Saturday, but you just never know. Again, the Bears do lose today, 35-16 to against the Green Bay Packers. If they face them again, uh, I think most likely it has to come now in the NFC Championship game, which would be a interesting full circle-ness if the Bears can find a way to get there. But as we know, there's a tremendous amount of work in, in front of us between now and if they can find a way to get to that point. But the next time you hear from Nick and myself, we'll be discussing and previewing a Chicago Bears playoff game. Hopefully that puts a somewhat smile on your face. Uh, I know, again, I'm conflicted. I'm sure you are too. Nick is. But that's just kind of the reality that it is. But we'll talk to you all soon. No victory Monday, but a playoff hopeful Monday. All fun, I suppose. But until the next time you hear from Nick and myself, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.